couple years ago, I was sitting down, uh, taking a break from my job at The Athletic Media Company, and uh, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing, and I thought, uh, hey, this this could be a partnership because I'm, I'm an ad wizard, and so I put those two things together, and took a couple years, but now I get to read ads for Athletic Brewing and uh, their non-alcoholic beers, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because I like the product. I like the product for a variety of different reasons. There are times where I'm uh, the designated driver, and that is, it's perfect for me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a whole lot. There are also times where I'm not the designated driver, but it's going to be a long day of gabbing, and I don't necessarily need to have 10 IPAs in a row. So I will mix in an athletic, non-alcoholic beer, and I, I feel like I don't miss a beat, and it allows me to pace myself uh, the way I want to do it. It's perfect for beach days, music festivals, and baseball games, camping, late nights. Uh, they have a ton of different varieties. They have uh, light. They have upside uh, Don Golden. They have Run Wild IPA. They have a hazy IPA. They have summer seasonals. They've got a, a lemon Rattler ripe pursuit. I don't even know what a Rattler is, but now I want to try it. I feel bad that I haven't tried it. So this summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off. It's near beer, non-alcoholic beer, and it tastes Listen, I grew up with some funky ones. Uh, those didn't taste like beer. This tastes like this. This is good non-alcoholic beer. Uh, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. This is Melissa Lockard with Steve Berman from the Steamheads, a show about the Oakland A's. Well, I don't know about you, Steve, but I am exhausted after that game three. The A's claimed victory out of the hands of defeat in a stunning comeback with a three-run home run in the seventh inning and two more runs in the eighth inning to save their season in a 9-7 win to extend this series to a game four. Steve, I wasn't quite thinking the game would go that way when they entered the seventh inning. How were you feeling at that point? I don't think anyone was. Uh, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I sent a tweet right after they won, saying, "Raise your hands if you thought they were going to win when they were down seven four. Put your hands down. You're all lying." Because, and there's a few people out there like Roxy Bernstein, who sometimes calls games for the A's, swears up and down that he was right there with them and believed. And same with Casey Pratt, who works for ABC Seven. He supposedly also was uh, believing the whole time. I'm going to call uh, balderdash on both, to be honest, because. <laughs> If you're watching that whole series and you're watch if you've been watching the A's for a long enough period of time and you saw them once again give up a lead and then not just give up the lead but then fall behind by 3 with a bullpen uh, that was starting to look like a little, was getting a little bit raggedy. I don't think anyone was believing. It. I sure I certainly wasn't. I was shocked that the game went the way it did. It was 
very exciting. The Obviously, the fact that uh, they out-homered the Astros was probably a big part of it, too. But there was a lot that went in that game. There was Ramon Laureano's speech, apparently, mid-game. There was Liam Hendricks just gunning it out and going crazy and having one of the best ends to an at-bat against Josh Reddick that we've seen in quite some time with him just exalting in glory and Josh Reddick slamming his bat in the ground and smashing it over his knee. So definitely a memorable game. It won't mean much if they lose game four, but at least for now we get to have a game four, and that's more than I thought we'd have in the in later innings of that game. Yeah, and actually I do think even if they do lose game four, it does mean something because I do think it shows a certain heart. It, it kind of That's changes true. the script a little bit. Yeah, you know, and it's like it shows this team is perhaps morphing into something a little bit different than what the last couple of, of seasons have been like. You know, and, and there are some key guys that are going to be free agents this offseason, but a lot of the team is coming back and, and what you build off of these kinds of moments will probably help them going into next season. But, you know, in focusing on the game that happened on Wednesday, you know, it was that ebbs and flows were just, I mean, it was like, you could have taken the first two games and just placed them on top of this one and it would have looked exactly the same. It was almost shocking how much they matched up to the first two. And then, you know, Chad Pinder said that they came back from the sixth inning back to the dugout for the top of the seventh and it was quiet and they were kind of tense and Ramon Laureano just went off and basically said, we're not ending our season right now. This is, we've done too much to get swept here. And they responded immediately. I mean, the first three batters of the inning and it was a tie game. They've got to do a lot more for it to turn into more than just a really interesting footnote in the series. But, you know, perhaps that's the A's Hunter Pence moment. You know, that's the the guy they've been looking for to give them that fire in these situations. It's, you know, it's funny. One of the think the hallmarks of A's teams have been over the years is that they're really nice guys that play on this team. And I remember, uh, I don't think, I think it was Bill King who used to have the saying that take me some kind of jerks, you know, because the jerks can hit and, and the nice guys finish last. So, and that's not exactly, he said it in a much more eloquent and probably R-rated way. But basically, they've been the nice guys. They've been the guys that you would sort of root for to win, but they haven't had that fire maybe that you need in these types of games to overcome obstacles. And, you know, for at least that one moment in game three, they have their fiery leader who was struggling badly and probably needed it for himself as much as anything else, kind of wake them up and and get them towards, uh, you know, get them back into the game and, and towards a victory. So I thought that was a really cool moment. And Chad Pinder is the best guy to sort of described that after the game too he gave a really eloquent description of the whole situation said it was giving him full body chills even to think about it now and also just think about who gave the speech you know it's Ramon Laureano a guy who you know against these Astros pitchers had no hits in that series so (laughs) leading up to that point then he ended up with his you know the biggest hit of the season that doubled down the line, which looks like a huge line drive off the wall in the box score. But anyone watching it knows it was a little fister down the line that blooped in just perfectly and set them up to get the go-ahead runs. So that was pretty amazing because, yeah, he was actually, what was he, uh, 0 for 14 going into that speech, you know? So it's not exactly like Simeon has been hitting the cover off the ball during this series, you know? Pinder's been hitting really well. It wasn't one of those guys. It was Laureano who's been struggling ever since the Astros got him suspended. 
And he's the guy who's firing up with the troops and the fact that and he's probably a guy who doesn't do a lot of that all the time. I know that he's a he's an intense competitor. And I remember when he was uh, when he's been hurt and when he was suspended, Melvin talks about how he's just like talks his ear off and is, you know, always, you know, pestering him because he doesn't know what to do with himself when he's not playing. It kind of adds a little bit to that story that it was Laureano who had that sort of pensian moment after struggling so mightily throughout the series offensively. And I think, you know, I, we talked about this yesterday after game two and I kind of harped on the fact that they've gotten so little offensive production from their outfielders and from Olsen Olsen hit a home run today a deep home run Canna went two for five with a home run which was huge in the beginning too just kind of get them going I thought Grossman's at-bats were fantastic he had two walks coming off you know coming off the bench in the place of Piscotti so that was a situation where you know there's a bunch of guys in this team who haven't really been pulling their weight offensively in this series and the fact that the A's are in this position where if Frankie Montas has figured it out, they can possibly force a deciding game five with really, I mean, the A's starting pitching, you know, another thing I harped on yesterday, they didn't get a good start again. Lazardo looked like he might be on the way on his way to a good one. And then in the fifth inning gives up the two and homer to Diaz. So, you know, they haven't gotten a good start except for Bassett's game two in the wildcard series the entire time, but they're still in a position where they're alive. And that's really all I can ask for at this point. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
Yeah, and I, I thought Lazardo. I mean, he was pitching pretty well. You know, that first inning, the home run to, to Altuve happened, but then that second run was three little nubbers that kind of found the right spots, and, and really they should have turned the inning-ending double play on the ground ball that scored the, the second run in that inning. And then it just seemed like in the fifth inning, he just lost his feel on that, that breaking ball that he was getting the swings and misses on in two-strike counts or the soft contact. And he was trying so hard to get that replicated that he was yanking him and then when it got to a two ball I think it was two ball two strike count to Diaz it might have even been three two he like felt like he just couldn't go back to it and he he kind of teed it up for Diaz who really looked lost on the breaking balls up until that point you know when he would have been facing him so you know again probably something for him to learn from my sense was this start was he was far more competitive and far better than he had been in that wild card start Um, and, and I think you know again it was probably one of those things where in a normal game maybe that's second run doesn't score in the first inning and in a normal season he probably pitches you know through past the fifth inning and maybe into the sixth or seventh because he only had 73 pitches at the point that he was pulled in the fifth so you know something good for him to build off of as well but you're right I mean you know their bullpen going into Thursday's game is going to be a bit of a mess I I know that Hendricks thinks that he can be available after what was really one of the more incredible relief appearances you know ever seen but it would be a lot to ask some guy to come back after throwing three innings even if he only threw I think it was uh, 39 pitches or 37 pitches and you know he he said the 49 pitch outing uh, in the wild card series maybe prepped him for it, but still, you know, the idea of coming back after three ups and downs it seems like a lot to ask. But we'll see how how that goes. Jake Diekman and, and Usmero Petit, of course, have been used quite frequently in this series already as well. Uh, I would imagine Petit for sure wouldn't pitch, just given he sort of struggled in the last two um, outings that he's had. Diekman only threw 20 pitches in an inning and a third. It's possible that he could come back, uh, but maybe only for like a left hander. Uh, with two outs in an inning that you would hope he wouldn't have to do the three batter minimum. So Bob Melvin's definitely going to have to get creative. And you're right. I mean, if they're going to be competitive in this game four, Frankie Montas has got to give him one of those starts like he had at the start of the season. And I actually think he can, you know, it's uh, Montas is a guy who is overpowering when he's on. He just, he's either been really on or really off this year. So, I mean, Lazardo and Manaya were guys I was worried about going into the series, especially playing at Dodger Stadium during the day, because especially in Lazardo's case, Lazardo's given up a lot of home runs this year. And usually they come in bunches. So, you know, I think the fact that you know, he gave up that home run to Diaz was unfortunate because he actually was, as you said, he was in a rhythm. You know, he got out of those two innings consecutively on double plays and they weren't like lucky double plays either they were like just routine one of them was to him I thought that he had actually figured something out after the a little bit of a rough start early and was settling in was going to have a nice outing so I was actually that home run by Diaz actually took me by surprise I thought he'd sort of settle in and figured it out I think I think for tomorrow you just you hope that Montas can give you at least five innings hopefully six and then after that Wendelkin who to me has been maybe their best reliever at least most consistent along with Diekman that they've had so far in the postseason you got to rely on him a little bit Soria didn't pitch today I think he was okay uh, in game two and I think Hendricks is going to pitch again I think if there's any question in terms of whether he could help the team in the in a late game situation and they need him I think he's back I mean he came back after pitching 49 pitches in one day you know, he had several days off before throwing 37 pitches today I don't know I just I don't see him saying no and and I don't think that the 
the A's and Bob Melvin would be in a position to decline if he offered his services just because when he's on, you see what he's like. I mean, he's he's right up there, I'd say, top three relief pitcher in an entire major leagues right now. I mean, he's in, he's in rare form, rare territory at this point. He's been dominant for the better part of two seasons now. So, and he's shown that in the playoffs, you know, he had a little bit of a rough go when he had to throw 49 pitches, but I think he was just a little bit off with a slider. He figured out a slider again, and that fastball was blowing people away too. So yeah. And, and as you mentioned in your article today, you know, he, he had, he allowed two base runners and one of them was on a catcher's interference. So that's pretty amazing three innings. So that definitely goes down in A's lore. It'll go go down more so if he's able to pitch tomorrow and the A's can make this a series and take it to a game five, which would just be outstanding. Hopefully Listella is okay. I know he has a contusion on his elbow from getting hit by a pitch. And then Pinder, you know, he can't go much longer without talking about him because, you know, Pinder's hitting 444 in the series, went 3-4 today. And that opposite field home run that he hit, I mean, he the opposite field home run he hit last time was actually just ridiculously impressive based on the fact that it pretty much almost left the stadium. And then this one, you know, barely cl- you cleared the wall, but it was down that right field line. And yeah, he's a guy who... We don't even know if he's even feeling that good right now with that hamstring and, and the way that he's and he made that also that amazing diving play on on the little pop fly kind of uh, almost like swinging bunt sort of deal. So yeah, his his defense uh, was was pretty good as well. So I think for sure. I mean, Jake Lamb was really nice in September after they acquired him, but Pinder definitely has to start on in Game Four. Yeah, I think he'll probably start. And my guess is that if he doesn't start at third, it's because he's starting at second if Listella can't go, which, you know, again, also speaks to Pinder's versatility and how important that is as well, because he can kind of cover a couple of areas for the team defensively in addition to, you know, what he can bring at the plate. But I think he's proven, at least in this series right now, that it doesn't matter if it's a right-hander or a left-hander, you know, he's pretty locked in. And so uh, it's not clear if the Astros are going to go with Zach Ranke or somebody else, but I think it's likely to be a right-hander regardless of who it is and uh, but I'd still expect to see him in there so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how everything breaks down and we're recording this before the uh, Rays and Dodgers games are completed here but as of the end of the A's game every single postseason game so far in this postseason has been won by the team that has out homered the other team so we'll keep an eye on that tomorrow obviously this series there's going to be some more home runs hit and uh, it'll be interesting to see if the A's can, like today, outmuscle a team like the Astros, who obviously can, can hit them with the best of them. So uh, we're excited to talk to you guys tomorrow after Game 4. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back after Game 4. 